Welcome, everyone, to Season 3, Episode 96 of the Premiere Pod. I'm your host, Yashpika, joined by my co-host, Tyler Chan. And as you see, we are back with another video pod. I am rocking a uh, Middlesbrough jersey right here, and Tyler is rocking a, I believe, what you said, 2013-14 Liverpool yes. kit? The 2013-14 Liverpool jersey. I also got Suarez on the back. Yeah, yeah there we go. There we go, Suarez. <laughs> and you got it from um, a really cool website. But no, that's dope that you have like a throwback yeah. jersey to put on. Um, especially like, good. didn't win the title that season. But No, it was a rough season at the very end. But Almost, almost it. And it's cool though. I've never seen um, the Warrior brand too. So that's uh, that's dope. It's not Nike, not Adidas, not New Balance, Warrior. So hopefully... It's, uh, uh, None of them watching are going to be like, whoa, whoa, <laughs> censor this. Uh, but no, it's a, it's a cool kit. It's got the long sleeves, so that's dope. Um, but yeah, this is a, it'll be a fun episode. We have um, some pretty cool topics just um, about Tottenham sneaking away a, a win. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer saving his job once again at the brink of death. Um, Liverpool uh, drawing against Man City, having some problems with the VAR and a couple things that happened in that game. And just uh, some other topics that have come up since then but to start it off we have to start it off with the biggest game of the weekend which was Manchester City versus Liverpool it lived up to the hype for the first half and the second half I'm sorry it was a snooze fest I think it was one of those where um, probably both managers out thought themselves and all the players were probably like okay we probably need to chill after that first half Um, but unfortunately one thing I want to talk about I know you want to talk about the Trent injury but the penalty that happened for Joe Gomez. Um, that almost put Manchester City up two. I, it would have been two one, but obviously De Bruyne, you know, put his shot wide in the penalty. Just I have never seen De Bruyne do that. But God, that penalty, the VAR problem. I I just don't get it. How is that a penalty? Because you you know how fast these players cross the ball, especially De Bruyne. I mean, he crosses he crosses the ball faster than probably anyone. And Joe Gomez is right here. He sticks out his hand right there, and it's considered a penalty. It like barely hits his arm. So we saw Liverpool players angry about it. Even the studio people, people in the studio, pundits across the world were upset about it. There was another incident in the Wolves Leicester game where Leicester uh, were awarded a penalty from basically almost the same thing even worse Mm -hmm. so i don't know i feel like there has to be some sort of revision of that because they the whole law is like it has to be it has to be in an unnatural playing position but the way you shift your body there's no way to move your hands and still keep balance you know so i don't know i think the the rule definitely needs to be tinkered because it's it's quite unfair to defenders at this point i know and not even that. It's like also forwards too. It's like you basically have to just chop off your arms at this point because exactly, it's it's pretty ridiculous. I'm not gonna lie. I feel like the Joe Gomez one could have been could have had a little bit more to the fact that he kind of stuck his arm out a little bit and then it, it hit it hit him like mm-hmm. as it's, as he turned the body and like the arm kind of stuck out. So I could see like that. But even then, there's certain times when an arm is against the body and since it just hit it instead of like the chest or something that's why they call it a penalty so mm-hmm. i think literally at this point they're making so that the arm any time it hits the arm for any way it's positioned i don't even think it has to be in play or anything like it's just a penalty it's like yeah. the old-fashioned way when theory Henry can just like chip the ball up from someone two feet away from him and just get a penalty because of just the rule being bad like mm-hmm. it's literally that bad and 
to kind of add on to your thing, Yosh, about um, just the arms in general being shady VAR calls. In the Leeds game, Patrick Bamford got a goal that he had like taken away because his arm was out. Like he stuck out his arm to point where to go. He's like, yeah, like point where that. the ball should be. And they counted his oh. arm being pointed. And, and it makes no a, sense because isn't isn't it supposed to be whatever's playable? Like you yeah, can't play with your arm. You can't yeah. use your arm. So he yeah. so VAR deemed his arm as the farthest oh, point of where he was. Like his body was behind the the mm-hmm. last defender, but his arm was further than the last defender. And they counted his arm as offside and i was like uh, wait that makes no sense you can't even use your arm to score so it's like why are they counting it in var for offsides and we saw that plenty of times also against Mane in a previous liverpool game and it's just it's so random where it's just like why is it the arm now why is it like the elbow now why is it the shoulder now it's there's it's like a lack of consistency in my opinion and also it's just why why are they even counting the arm for this so many things like peter crouch she's one of like the Premier League's best strikers of all time. He was saying he's as a six foot seven man. He's like, I should have if I was still playing in this era, I'd be I'd be never able to score because I'm so lanky and like my arms are so long. I'd never yeah. be able to get like in position without getting an offside or a handball. So. It, it's it, it's just it, I don't know. It's just pretty ridiculous. I think the way the rules are set up now, it just puts defenders at such a disadvantage. It's almost like you're playing FIFA 21. Like no one can defend now. It's just like you <laughs> only attack. You can only attack. That's your only option. Um, so I think that's what, obviously that was the main culprit in terms of what was leading in a lot of goals. And I think defenders have adjusted a little bit, but when you do see it, it's, you know, if, if city do go two one up, I mean, that totally changes what the game turns out mm-hmm. to be. You know, you just never know if Liverpool have enough to, you know, get a point and such, but you know, that was uh, that was a pretty big incident in the game. But another one was obviously De Bruyne missing a penalty. But um, your boy, the young youngster, the right back, Trent Alexander-Arnold going down with an injury, which is unfortunate because Liverpool have been decimated by injuries this season, especially mm. in their back line. It was really sad to see because I was just like, no. Like, you saw the face he Trent made when he yeah. went down. He just knew. It was like, mm. all right, I'm going to be out for like a month. And he is going to be out confirmed for four weeks which is not great for our back line milner came in as the backup right back for that game and i'm just thinking oh our our back line is so makeshift but but luckily liverpool survived that match and you know made it 1-1 but it, it kind of goes back to that you know that conversation a lot of people have been having where this season just gonna be a season where whoever team can be least injured or can just be the healthiest will be the the winner and I think mm-hmm. that's what Pep Guardiola said himself. Like when someone asked him, one of the pundits were were asking him, like in an interview, was, he was asked, who do you think is, has the best chance of winning the Premier League? He said, it's just based on whoever keeps their team healthy. Because yeah. <laughs> injuries are going to be significant. <laughs> like, honestly, like since Liverpool lost Van Dijk at the beginning of the season, that was a big factor in seeing whether they could win the title. And mm-hmm. then now losing Trent for... A significant few weeks is going to be big and we're not even sure if he can come back and be fully healthy and fit for the busy christmas season there's so many points you can get from the christmas season yo man i i'm just the the i'm just you know we're this is a topic we're, we're about to talk about later but it's crazy the amount of games they're playing right now and then just yes. thinking about the boxing day games oh my gosh these players i feel so bad for them they literally had no preseason, basically. Or if they did, it was very short. And then they had a very accelerated 
end to the last season because mm-hmm. we basically went straight from last season straight into this one with like a month of break. So yeah. they didn't really have the time to rest. And even then, the conditioning was already shortened and makeshift at times. So I think if players didn't get injured from the project restart, it's starting to pop up more so now because now you're seeing, mm-hmm. at least for Liverpool, a lot more significant injuries that are like decimating the team. It's, yeah, it is rough to see. Like you're seeing this, I think we mentioned this before in another episode, but like in, in not only soccer, but you're also seeing it in other sports like NFL. And mm-hmm. it's just so many big injuries to so many big players. And it's just a little worrying. And also, it's worrying too that we're going to mention this later, but now coronavirus is just getting big once again. It's starting to spike something that mm-hmm. a lot of people were predicting. Uh, for the you know flu season and holiday season, everyone's getting together and things like that. But now it's starting to pop up, pop back up again on top of all these injuries. It's like, geez, what's going to happen for this winter? Because we know for you know this is like a long tangent, but I hope games don't get canceled or things like that because of mm-hmm. Corona, because that could happen too. But it's it's really hard to see Trent go down. I think we'll we'll bounce back from it. He's he's only out for about a month but yeah i think now that means milner steps up or maybe they chuck nico williams up there and mm-hmm. right back the backup right back from the academy and i mean to kind of go back to the game too real quick it was very much like a chess match though like that we managed to luckily we had Matip. he came back and so we didn't yeah. have to use reese williams or nathaniel phillips in center back but it's just now getting so stringent in terms of how a team can win like it's literally like a chess match where it got so tactical in the second half where it literally was like as if you're watching a chess match in real life. It just got really boring. I was just like, <laughs> something happened, please. It was just yeah. so technical at the second half. I was just like, nothing's happening. Everyone's someone take a long a shot. Yeah, someone take a chance. But it was so mm-hmm. low risk and, and conservative, especially after Trent went down. I think that's like I all compounded in that second half mm-hmm. where it's just like, you know what? Let's just let's just take it back. We're just going to take the point and it'll be cool. So, yeah, yeah it was a long winded answer, but no, <laughs> no I, I agree. It was definitely that chess match. And um, one thing that helped City, I'll point this out real quickly, was having Gabriel Jesus back, having an actual striker over there. But he did score a really good goal. However, he did miss a big chance in the second half to take a 2 1 lead um, with, a, with his header. And that kind of begs, brings back the question and one that I'm going to answer is I don't think he is we've said this so many times on this podcast and it just keeps coming up every time a lot of people always say like oh Gabriel Jesus this is his time Aguero's injured it's always Aguero's injured now it's his time to shine and each time he's given that opportunity he doesn't really take it or he's has maybe a couple moments where he's like okay this guy this guy can be world class and then it's like oh, oh he missed a sitter or he missed that so at the end of the day i think it's still the problem with city they don't have another striker a, a super reliable striker like sergio aguero and without aguero their attack even though it is still really good they still lack that little bit of that I, I don't know what you would call it, that finesse, that, that, that bit of, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's the word I'm looking for, the class of Aguero. You just can't replicate that, and it's it's hard to find that, and especially when they didn't re-sign David Silva, and he's killing it right now in Spain, in La Liga. I mean, he's probably one of the best players in Spain right now, um, so missing some of those class players that you just can't, you can't really replicate, so that's one thing I just wanted to leave out for City, but I know... 
when it comes to Liverpool, it wasn't just the game and um, Trent's injury. I know, Tyler, you're, um, there's some other big news happening um, behind the scenes <laughs> going on in Liverpool right now. Yes. So besides everything in terms of like team setup, the training facility for Liverpool, this is kind of like another tangent, but <laughs> there's been a lot of confusion I see on Twitter for a lot of Liverpool players like kind of reminiscing on the training pitch or like the training facility, Melwood. That's their famous training facility that has produced all the past Liverpool players from like the few last few decades. And, Jordan Russell you know, yeah, oh my gosh, Rossetier. <laughs> Rossetier is listening to this and like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> but but uh, like there are posts from like Jordan Henderson and Fernando Torres posting is like, you know, one last walk in memory lane, something like that. Or like Stevie G posting something on Instagram. And people were like, is Jordan Henderson leaving? And like even Yost was saying, he's like, is Klopp retiring or like is Klopp leaving, resigning or something? It's it's like why why are, why is he posting about this? It's like no, they're just moving training facilities to a new one called the AXA training facility. Like this will be in the region of Liverpool called Kirby, as I mm-hmm. believe. I don't really know much about the geography of Liverpool since we're in the U.S., but <laughs> apparently that's, that's a big deal. And I looked at a, a quick video of what it looks like, and it looks insane. It looks like what I wish my house looks like. Wow. <laughs> it was like three pitches, like a whole new so state facility. of the art, basically. Yeah, state of the art. Like basically, right. just getting up to 2020, like the 20th, nice. 21st century, since Melwood's a little older. Yeah. But now I think this will be a big move for Liverpool. This is a big move for the club because if you think about it, for the week, they're usually a player's training at this training facility for four or five days of the week. And then they only play at Anfield for one day or another another stadium for the weekend. So mm-hmm. for them, this is like big for the players because now this will be big for recruiting. This will be big for maybe recuperation and health because now there'll be different parts of the facility that they can use to where are, they, where are they supposed to train now they i get just one of the three pitches they have <laughs> oh wait so the uh in melwood or in the new oh in the new Auckland? stadium the new or like the new training facility my bad yeah oh, the new training built? facility is built there was actually oh, okay oh i didn't, I didn't know <laughs> yes, that i should have mentioned that it's finally okay. built it was supposed to be finished in june but because of corona it got pushed back till now oh, so mid okay. november to late november and because of the international break going on right now they're doing the transition from millwood to the axa training facility dang okay. so yeah that's why everyone's getting really reminiscent about it and you don't have to be alarmed no one's leaving the club no like nothing is happening it's just they're moving training facilities did, did suarez get a post suarez i think did put a post i think nice but i i for sure know torres did and like I, I'm, I think most of the Liverpool legends made posts, mm-hmm. so because it was like it was a big deal. So it's gonna be, it's gonna be cool to see them transition to that. At least as a Liverpool fan, it's I can see from a work perspective, like a work mind, it's like, dang, this is cool. It's like moving offices. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, I, it must be. I wonder what if there's gonna be a a a little bit of adjustment because. You know, when you when you start working from a different space, it takes a little bit of time to get adjusted to. Um, I don't know. It's just like the fact of, uh, let's say, you know, when everyone had to shift from working from home, it's different than working from the office. It took mm-hmm. you know maybe a couple of days, couple of weeks to get you know actually settled down and used to the uh, 
um, the workflow and such. So I wonder if um, if switching facilities might um, it might cause it might ring a little uh, some alarm bells here or there. But I, I think overall they'll be fine. But I, I'm just curious to see what type of like maybe mental fatigue or something like that that could happen. Oh, from like, like you're saying, it might ruin the flow. Like it might not have maybe that, maybe that just magic because. Yet. Um, yeah, maybe it might, um, not necessarily. I think they'll, they'll still be a great team, but I think, um, maybe players and coaches for, yeah, getting adjusted to a new home. Basically. That's what I'm trying Mm -hmm. to say. I think it'll help them out still. Like when Mm -hmm. I feel like it's going to be like a new gift, you know what I mean? Like when you buy Mm -hmm. something new, he's like, when you get that, that new phone. Or like that PS5 new PS5 yeah, or something sponsored by <laughs> no, it's not sponsored by something. But if they want to, like, let us know. But basically, it's like it's kind of like that, where it's like, yeah. oh yes, like this is gonna be a cool new thing. I think that's that'd be cool, and maybe that'll okay. be a motivator for them. It'll be something that mm-hmm. will kind of get them like a new wind, and then they'll be the Liverpool of old from last season, and then just yeah. go off again. Who knows? That, that- that would be interesting. I'm I'm very curious. I'm I'm definitely going to be looking for Twitter about the pictures and stuff. Mm-hmm. Now that you've you've hyped up the facilities, I got to see what <laughs> they look like now. Um, and uh, if if Liverpool want to fly us out to uh, yeah. look at the facility in person, of course not during <laughs> Corona time, but in the future, uh, hit us up. Yeah, at, let us uh, know the Premier Pod at gmail Exactly. <laughs> there we go. There we go. But yeah, I'm excited that that'll be a cool gift. Like Tyler saying to Liverpool fans and just the Liverpool players in general to check out um, and obviously be like their new training facility and home. But um, moving on to, uh, I guess, their, their biggest rivals, Everton. <laughs> Actually, their two biggest rivals, Everton yeah. and Man- Manchester United. They faced off um, and it was a 3-1 win for Manchester United. Uh, it was it was interesting because Pogba and Van de Beek were dropped for this game after that complete disaster in the Champions League uh, midweek where they let Dembaba run all the way through them. Um, but this game, it was very interesting because he opted Oligana Solskjaer, this team, for some reason, uh, whenever there's reports about Solskjaer being fired, this team overperforms. This team performs <laughs> like they're supposed to. It's honestly amazing how well this team performs when Solskjaer is literally... Um, on the brink of maybe getting sacked. And he opted for a midfield of McTominay and Fred and then Bruno. And I, I think it, it's been interesting because I think he he likes sort of this midfield trio because he knows he's going to get that defensive responsibility from McTominay and Fred. And then it just allows Bruno to just do Bruno things, you know, be yeah, very he creative finally offensively. In oh, open yeah. play. Yeah, he scored two, um, two, two goals in this game and it was, you know, Classic Bruno, you know, going into the box, getting his header in and such. And the, the big thing is um, I, 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 I like with the midfield, like the balance they have when they play with Fred and McTominay. But there, you got to find a way as a manager to get Pogba and Bruno together or Van de Beek and Bruno or whatever trio you want. I feel like you have to find a way to get a combination of those two because they're, they're just too talented to just be left on the bench, you know. And Cavani scored his first goal, which was great. Um, hopefully, he can get um, you know kind of fired on and kicked on. Mm-hmm. But um, another big thing that happened was Luke Shaw got injured. It was a muscle injury, a hamstring, and it and it kind of goes back to the argument um, of it was one of those accumulation of just too many games being played at such a short time span. And we saw a United player go down with the uh, with the muscle injury, and it's unfortunate because he was starting to pick up a little bit of form. Um, but overall, it was a it was a it was a good win. It was a good win for Manchester United, but Jordan Pickford had a pretty bad game. Yes, um, he had a rough one. <laughs> yeah, had a terrible game. And I know Tim Howard 
um, was discussing this during the broadcast, but I honestly think, I think this game, maybe Enchilada gives him maybe a couple more games, but I honestly think this is the end of the road for Pickford. I think he's done as Everton's number one. Really? And then they're going to yeah. use Olsen instead? The backup I, right I think because the January transfer window is coming soon, I think oh, you know true. they're going to be eyeing someone. But I, I just don't know, like, especially a manager like Ancelotti. I know Everton are on the downfall um, right now, but Jordan Pickford is not helping them out any in any way um, when it comes to the goalkeeping, goalkeeping position. That was so fast, too. All of a sudden, Pickford just goes from the England number one keeper to... On the way out of Everton potentially because it's just so bad. <laughs> but <laughs> it's uh, I mean, I gotta also say kudos to Man U for coming back from going one nil down. <laughs> yeah, freaking Bernard decided to turn on his like Shakhtar Donetsk yeah. form right there, like five foot two Bernard. But <laughs> geez, and I would say there's I was looking at the two people in particular during this game who are on the hot seat, and that was Pickford. His facial reactions and how Carlo Ancelotti looked at him and also Solskjaer's face because, you know, when a manager is like on the hot seat and they score, usually they're not like, you know, very excited. They're not going hype. They're more like relieved. It's like, okay, <laughs> maybe not this week then. It's like, maybe I got another week. But mm-hmm. I think that's what I saw for Solskjaer because that kind of confirms that he is on the hot seat. If mm-hmm. like Because, you know, there are certain times when managers are saying, Nah, it's just the press. It's just people saying, yeah, I'm still good to go. But I think he's really feeling the pressure because mm-hmm. of just how he's reacting. And also, I think Pickford, too, because he's just feeling a little frustrated every time he can see the one. It's just, he just knew. It's like, ah, oh, I'm being exposed <laughs> <laughs> to everyone to see. So it's, I mean, some of the goals he just couldn't save. Like Bruno Fernandez's header, that was, there's no way you can save that. But just, you know, whenever you are the keeper and then you're conceding goals no matter what, there will be that spotlight on you. And he did have a really rough game overall. So, mm-hmm. uh, it's, I don't even know. Like, who who would want to, I don't know if they can even get rid of him because they paid 30 million pounds for him from Sunderland. From Sunderland. So, <laughs> I think they're kind of trapped with them. It's going to be like a Kepa situation. Oh, boy. Where it's um, like, well, this is, this is what it is. You're just going to yeah, be stuck with them. It, it, it's it's interesting. And this is one quick little tangent about Everton because I think United played the way they should they should have played. They should have beat Everton, and they did. But Hamas Rodriguez is another guy that's been on a lot of uh, conversation radar. He started off the season in amazing form. I mean, he was literally unplayable. But now, without Richarlison, um, and basically Everton hitting basically playing a little bit more of like their beefier schedule, playing tougher opponents. We're seeing, at least I'm seeing it from this game, Hamas is very ineffective. Couldn't really do much in the game. And um, the thing is, he's had Seamus Col- Coleman kind of cover for him defensively because Hamas doesn't really track back or, you know, <laughs> he wants to just play in the attacking third. So, you know, th- this is going to be a, another interesting one for Ancelotti. Like, where is he going to play Hamas Rodriguez going forward? Because I don't think he can keep getting away with just him not doing any work defensively because I think it leaves them too exposed. And, you know, he hasn't been as effective going forward as he has been at the start of the season. So I don't know if it's one of those he's hitting like that Premier League bump of that wall and he has to kind of just get over that. I still think he's going to be a really good player at the end of the day, but I think, you know, he's hitting a little bit of a 
kind of that that wall. You know that rookie wall they say? Uh, <laughs> the rookie I, wall. I kind of like to say there's like a Premier League wall where it, whenever new players come into the league, they start off super, you know, some of them start off super good and then they kind of hit that little bit of that weird patch for a couple mm. games and then they pick back form, pick up some form. So I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to see what, um, where James can go going forward. But I don't know if you had any type of doubts on him. I think he's still a class player. I'm still mm-hmm. surprised that he went to Everton, but you know, he has dropped from form since his Real Madrid days. But even then I think they still got a, a really top player. And I think for now, they're just really missing Richarlison because yeah, they're missing Calvert that. Lewin can do it all himself. Yeah. And I think once he's back, they can go back to that old formation, 4-4-2, and then be able to let James Rodriguez you know, run wild and just ping it to anyone he wants. But now since mm-hmm. he's had limited options, I think it makes it a little bit more predictable for their opponents to kind of you know, break up play and just stop Hamas on the spot. Yeah. I think Hamas is going to be like an Ozil kind of play where he won't track back. He's very much just going to stay up front, <laughs> like no matter what you say. Yeah. That, that so, is true. That's a good comparison. That is a good I, comparison. Two he's players also really are, slow. Yeah. <laughs> but has an amazing so, left foot. Yes. And I think, you know, you can't leave Hamas open. I yeah. think he still has the pedigree to mm-hmm. you know, light up light up the pitch whenever he wants. So mm-hmm. I think even now he's like on the past his prime. I think he still has a little bit of, of juice left in the tank where mm-hmm. every once in a while he just goes off at like at the beginning of the season. But I think he'll bounce back in my opinion. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I still think he's a class player, but he's definitely hit a blimp um, mm-hmm. in his Everton career, which is, you know, obviously just started. But uh, moving on to a player that has come on recently from injury, you know, getting acclimated is Hakeem Ziyech from uh, Chelsea. From Obviously, they bought him from Ajax. He came in basically the same time Werner did Mm-hmm. At last season, but obviously couldn't train with the team because of uh, you know the whole transfer rules and such. Took him a little bit of time to get acclimated and get recovered from injury, but he has literally been on fire. He's been so fun and so amazing to watch playing from playing from the wing. And you know, gosh, Chelsea have I I know he's different from the Kai Havertz or Timo Werner and the Christian Pulisic and Mason Mount. He's a little bit older. Obviously, he's more refined as a player it's not like he needs a bunch of developing mm-hmm. but he's in this his guy, prime yeah he's in yeah. his prime right now but man he is uh he he's really fun to watch he he's a he's a great playmaker and i i think chelsea have uh, we all knew what they were going to get when they bought him but seeing him actually perform at this level it's quite good and i think um he's just added another another dimension to the chelsea attack you know and yeah um i don't know i'm i'm blown away i really like him as a player Watching Chelsea play this weekend, granted it was against Sheffield United, yeah, the, really bad. The current the worst the team. Yeah, they have one point. Yeah, they have one point. Like this was the Sheffield we thought was gonna be here from last season. Like last season, we're saying they're gonna be dead last when they loaned in Empudu, Empudu, uh, right? Empudu, yeah, yeah. And then Rian, then they bought Rian Brewster, Rian mm-hmm. Brewster, who's not performed very well this yeah, season. Yeah, Rian right? Brewster. Jeez, Louise, he's making yeah. me look bad. <laughs> no, Tyler's like Tyler's main guy from like literally this time we started recording the Premier Pod. He was like, "This is gonna be the guy," and now yes. he can't get I'll, the job done at at, uh, at Sheffield. I think it might also play a part to the way they play. Mm-hmm. Because they're a very defensive team, so he has to do a lot himself. 
which yeah. I, I don't think is a style. So I think that might be a part two, just the playing style of Sheffield. I don't want to give him excuses for him to use, but if you're like a class player, you should be able to do everything yourself or whatever <laughs> system you're in. You should still always be good. Yeah. But anyways, for Ziyech, I really think this Chelsea team is the equivalent of what would happen if you brought a bunch of creative players onto one team and they just played all of them at once. Because <laughs> if you think about it, that last game, they had Ziyech, they had Mason Mount, I believe Pulisic started right. Oh no, he was hurt. He's, no, um, he was he's hurt. still recovering okay. from his like a um, little minor injury. Oh, oh this is what I was thinking about. Kovacic. All right, so yeah. Kovacic there. So there's three creative players just all there, and usually, if you think about it, there's usually just one. It usually mm-hmm. would be Ozil for Arsenal, Hamas Rodriguez for Everton, or in the case of Man U, it'd just be mostly Bruno Fernandez. But mm-hmm. for Chelsea, I feel like they have three. And Ziyech, he brings so much to that right side, even though you know he has like this class where you know what he's going to do. It's kind of like Aaron Robin. You know he's going to cut in and use the left foot. And that's exactly what Ziyech does. But the fact that you can't stop him, that's what makes it so big. That's what makes it so that he's like a class player where you know it's coming, but you just can't stop it. And mm-hmm. He creates so many chances. It's, it's, it's insane. He's like the opposite of... Or not the opposite, but like he's he's not a prolific goal scorer, but the way he sets up goals is like very Ozil-esque at this moment of the season so far because, mm-hmm. you know, there are players, as Yes was mentioning, you come in and then you hit a wall and then you just kind of struggle. And there are other players, I, w- I will also say, that come into this league and they just can't get it going. Like certain yeah. players that just are not Mkhitaryan. capable. <laughs> and they come in and it's a whole different league, whole different system, and they just can't play their game. But mm-hmm. Ziyech, he feels so free and he feels like he just belongs in this league. It's yeah. pretty insane that he's doing what he is doing every single game. So yeah. it's it, like it's, another left-footed star is what I we're know. saying. <laughs> like really loves and yeah, the Premier League loves left-footers. But I will say there another thing real quickly about Chelsea is their defense has been really good. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, this game they conceded a goal, but before this they had five clean sheets in a row. Um, all started with Edward Mendy being their goalkeeper. And then they found a center back pairing of Thiago Silva and Kurt Zuma. Haven't changed that. Ben Schill was their left back and um, Reese James is their right back. And they've just looked very solid. I think it goes back to what Tyler was saying. I was very concerned about them bringing in Thiago Silva. What was he, like 36 years old or 35? Yeah, he's old, like 36, yeah. yeah. And I was very afraid of like, oh, this, you know, it doesn't seem right to bring in uh, you know, someone this old to anchor your defense. But Tyler was on the side of, you know, he's still got a lot of class and still a very good player. And wow, he's shown that he's still a very good center back and he's provided a lot of leadership and a lot of stability in that back line. Ben Shiwell helps too, but, mm-hmm. um, and Edward Mendy performing pretty well as a goalkeeper too. So it, it's kind of scary. It was that thing of, oh, Chelsea are going to be really good attacking, but their defense is going to be garbage. And now it's like, okay, their defense is really good and their attack is looking really good. Um, so they kind of have the best of both worlds going on right now. Yeah. So it's kind of scary. We we don't know how long it's going to last though because mm-hmm. once they they have to face a really big, big opponent, I feel like. I mean, they did face United already, but yeah, I want to see what happens. Like this season. But yeah, no, I know when they when they hit like their meaty, like the meat of their schedule. Yeah. Let's see what happens major. if they face like a Bayern Munich or like a Liverpool Man City. Like I want to see yeah. that. But for now, I'm very surprised that they're doing so well in defense 
with so little time because they brought in Mendy at the very end of the transfer window. Mm-hmm. And then Thiago Silva, you know, he has that class where he can tell Reese James, like, hey, wait, what the heck was that? <laughs> it's like, and then, like, you can tell the other defenders what to do because he has that experience and has that class. It's, that's what I was thinking when I saw him come in. I, it very much was like a Van Dyke moment where I was like, oh, okay, I think this, this will be a big leadership move and mm-hmm. something that Man City should have done, but instead they brought in Ake and Ruben Diaz. And I was just like, what the heck was that? <laughs> but, um, and then for Ben Chilwell, he's just crazy. He just literally thinks he's a left wing at times, but him luckily I have him like, wait, yeah, Reese James, Reese James is like a, Reese James just loves taking long shots. Yes. I, I kind of like Reese James. He's like yeah. a mini Trent, but mm-hmm. not as good, but <laughs> <laughs> But I will say this Chelsea backline, it's it is very exciting. It's a lot better than the Kepa era of last season. Yeah. Way better like, than they, yeah. they finally have a decent backline, which is uh it's been a while since Chelsea fans could say that. I would say mm-hmm. our, since their title winning season of 2016-17 was probably their last good um center back. But even then they put a back three or back yeah. five most of the time. So Conte. Yeah. <laughs> and Pedro and freaking Victor Moses were I remember Victor Moses. I like Marcus Victor Moses Alonso, though. He's a were literally like Conte made Marcus Alonso seem like the best left wing back of yes. the world. That was, was insane. insane. I was like this guy and he won but... the league with like David Luiz and such. So mm-hmm. yeah. He he did good things with that squad. But yeah. Um oh but real quick, I do want to yeah. mention about Sheffield because they have fallen from grace, I would say. Yeah. Like they literally, we were all anticipating, not Chris only Wilder. us. Chris Walder, mate. Yeah. We were all trouble. anticipating that they would be safe, like 13th, 14th place, like it'd be fine. Mm-hmm. But I really do think They're losing Dean Henderson has really played a big factor in them doing this poorly. Because yeah. I feel like as a goalkeeper, for Dean Henderson, he was able to make those game-saving saves that would keep them in the game and then potentially get like a game-winner or a game-tying goal and then keep them, you know, keep the momentum going. But mm-hmm. Ramsdale, Aaron Ramsdale, the former Bournemouth keeper that came in to replace Dean Henderson. Yeah. He's, he's part no of the Dino. reason why Bournemouth got relegated. Yeah. <laughs> in my opinion. He's no Dino. I, he's no Dino. I no honestly... Dino think he's as bad as like Pickford with but he's worse because he doesn't have the foot like he doesn't have like that monster leg that yeah. Pickford has mm-hmm. so I no. think Rams yeah wait what are you, you know, saying I, no I agree I agree yeah. and there and the, also another thing is their attack has been very lackluster this season they've mm-hmm. I think um obviously this game they scored a goal but I, I have to look at the stats but they have not scored a lot of goals in the Premier League this season they've kind of been um almost dead on the court. um their attack has been very very lackluster. And I think it hurts them that they invested um, quite a bit of money in Rian Brewster and he has not looked like a very confident or very good player for them. And when, when you're a club like Sheffield investing that much money in a young attacking talent and he doesn't pan out that, you know, it's not, it's not good signs for a club if it, if it doesn't pan out because you need Mm -hmm. goals to stay in the Premier League. And just to go to your stat, yes, they have four goals. That's not good. Yes. <laughs> that's not very good. In eight games, that's a half a goal game. <laughs> so they're struggling. But I really, I'm really upset for Brewster, man. I thought he was going to go off. But I think, as I've been saying, for him, for his case, at least I hope that's the case. I think, I think it's just the system that he's in. It's not very attacking. And also, 
the thing about Sheffield last season, what made them so good, was that they had the same starting eleven like every single game. Yeah, no one Everyone got hurt. Healthy. No one got no one really got injured. So I think this season they've had a little bit of instability in that, and that might have thrown off the flow a little bit. Mm-hmm. And now yeah. no one's surprised either. It's like, oh, okay, yeah. can't sit back on Sheffield. No, I know. And then I think that's the thing. I'm going to give Chris Wilder the benefit of the doubt, but if, if things don't get better results-wise, he could be one of the first few managers to kind of be on that hot seat and uh, be on the potential of being out. But I want to give him the benefit of the doubt after what he did last season. But moving on to um, West Brom Tottenham, this game in particular, I just wanted to mention, it was a classic, classic Jose Mourinho win it scrappy. Doesn't care what the qual, doesn't care how it played. At the end of the day, Mourinho is just going to tell you, look at the score, who won? Tottenham won. <laughs> He's going to be happy. Um, it was very, very, very painful to watch this game. The Tottenham side looks so bad going forward. Harry Kane, Hyun Min Son, Gareth Bale all looked so lost and just so disconjointed as an attack. Sun looked very off of his form. I, I thought of all players, I, th- I thought I'd give credit to Kane. I thought Kane was probably the best one out of the three. Gareth Bale, you know, they talked about this in the studio. I, I agree. He's been kind of meh, to be honest. I know he had that goal last um, last week, but in general, I know he's coming back from injury, but he just really hasn't shown... Um, that form you know that made him so special at at Tottenham but also that form that made him a really good player at Real Madrid mm-hmm. um and he, he's just in in general he's just been kind of made I don't know how many more chances Jose Mourinho will keep giving him because Mourinho's he's a cutthroat manager he's not going to keep playing you if you're not performing so Gareth Bale is a is a person that is interesting to me I think everyone kind of expected him not to no one expected him to be a world beater again but I thought I would get a little bit more out of him right now. Um, and he's also has some injury doubts again. So he, that, that signing's not looking too hot right now for Tottenham, I will say. He really is the, uh, I, I don't know what to say. It's just disappointment. <laughs> Everyone yeah, had this expectation of him. And then he's just like, let me uh, bring it down to way down here because <laughs> my, my friend, listener Sung Min, he just roasts he just roasts him every single week. It's just like a week it's like Yusha's weekly rant of why Man is doing poorly. <laughs> it's like for Sung Min, it's like a weekly rant of why Bale is bad. And this mm-hmm. week it, I got another text just saying he's like, oh he's injured. It's like how do you injure? It's well he's wearing an ice pack prior to the Wales game. So his cap for Wales this upcoming international break is in contention or like it's up in question because he's so he, he he um the masters is also on this week um uh, which is oh a really oh that was very so, uh very convenient time very convenient to, uh, so hopefully maybe kick on as like an amateur get in there get in the Throw, round throwback to when i was in high school and i had a chemistry teacher the week that halo reach came out he happened to be going to a technology convention <laughs> and i was just like ah very very convenient that you had this technology convention as a chemistry teacher that you had to attend the week Halo Reach came out. That's really <laughs> funny, actually. <laughs> I was like, okay, okay, man. <laughs> I, I had a friend that um, uh, this was in college. He literally did not go to classes one day because the, it was a launch day of NBA 2K. I think it was 2K18 that mm-hmm. came out. He like spent the entire day just playing 2K that day. <laughs> That's 
I will say that there are people I know at work that take an entire day off just for a game coming out because like that's the most you can look forward to in quarantine times. But even then, before quarantine, it was pretty cool just to have like a big event like this come out. But and then not have to worry about work. But even when I was in college, when FIFA came out, I was like, all right, go to class, but then just not do any homework. (laughs) Yeah, that's the best way, because then it's like, okay, you go through like the little bit of the buildup. Well, mm-hmm. I think what you have to do is that you have to make sure the disc is in so your game installs. So Yes, so you go to class while the game is installing. Yeah. So, so you don't waste brain. Like your entire life waiting for the game to install. I've made that mistake before and it's not fun. It's not but, great when you finish class and then it's like, now it installs. And uh, then you have to wait. And then it's like, I guess I got to do homework. It's, yeah, uh, it, it's the worst. It's the worst. But yeah, I, I would I would characterize Gareth Bale's sort of like that. Um, you know, and I, I think... Um, for what it's worth, Mourinho and the Spurs side are in the top four. They're doing mm-hmm. very well. And But the thing is, you know, some games are winning them. It, it just reminds me of when Mourinho was manager at Manchester United in that second season. There were times where it looked like we were blowing teams out 4-1, 3-1, 2-1, or whatever. However, it was mostly United get, grabbing the first goal and sitting back and just waiting to pounce on the counterattack. Or it was United pouncing on the counterattack. And when it was never, I would say completely organically beautiful thing to watch. It's not like watching Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp just go at it, where they're focused on the attacking parts of the game. Mourinho is like lock up shop. If we win, we're going to, we win. And it's, it doesn't matter how I win. It doesn't matter if I play intricate um, football. It's okay. If, if I literally have to win off a goalkeeping error, I'm going to take that. And Mourinho (laughs) will be happy with that. So it's classic Mourinho. It's a classic scrappy Mourinho win. And I, it works. It, it's just the one manager I know that it works and he can get away with it because it's Mourinho. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the only one. It may be Simeone too, but Mourinho is the masterclass of this stuff. I just I don't th- get it. I think it's, although it's not the best to watch, it's oh, still pretty remarkable effective. to see executed because yeah. that's the that's a sign of... Our, I would say, in my opinion, a good manager because mm. in games you're not supposed to win. If you can get away with some points and maybe even the win, like that's uh. that's not easy. Like that's it's like not studying for a test and then just get acing it. <laughs> that's essentially <laughs> what it is. Or doing the bare minimum and yeah. getting away with it. Yeah. So I think Mourinho knows what the priorities are. I think that's probably the key thing. He knows what he has to do, and. I mean, he he got the win. That's all we got to say. I guess West Brom, not the best team, but I mean, nevertheless, some of these games are some of the reasons why you might not get top four. Exactly. I mean, and he still managed to do it with Bale going to the Masters this week. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. But yeah, no, I agree. And they didn't also, they also didn't have, I believe, Bergwijn, Harry Winks, and who was their other player? I think they were missing someone else. I can't, I can't, um, put my name on it, but they were missing some three uh, key players, but yeah, you you know, Tottenham got it done, but well, the last topic I wanted to bring up um, real quickly, well, we actually we'll leave that one at the end because it's a good note, but this one, managers, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer after the Manchester United win basically blasted the FA and blasted, um, yeah, specifically the FA for scheduling Manchester United after playing in Istanbul, Turkey, uh, or basically playing at Turkey on Wednesday, and having to fly back and play an early morning noon kickoff, which is 7.30 a.m. here. And I believe it's like, what, 12? Uh, it's like early morning noonish kickoff, 
early mm-hmm. noon kickoff um, at the UK time against Everton on Saturday. So they barely got, I think, one day of full rest because they had to train a little bit. And and Solskjaer blasted them. Klopp, after this game with Trent Alexander-Arnold, he basically was in agreement with Solskjaer saying that these players are feeling the brunt work, like feeling the, the grunt of all this ec- excessive playing of not having enough rest playing all the time i wouldn't be surprised i think pep guardiola has also said something about it i wouldn't be surprised if we hear Mourinho talk about this but it it brings back this uh kind of this greater thing that the the scheduling is just setting these clubs and these players up to failure you know i think there needs to be something done to give them a little bit of rest because it's just unnatural to ask this isn't fifa where you can just keep playing you can keep playing back-to-back games like People need rest. You need mm-hmm. your players to get rest so they can recover their muscles, so you can avoid people getting injured, so you can get better. I would arguably say get better f- football to watch, just better displays to watch. So I'm all for it. I think I think there needs to be something done where they can s- at least space out the games a little bit better because I think it's just the games are just coming too thick and fast for all these clubs. It's just too much, especially clubs that are playing in Europe too. It's just a lot, I would say. I- I think for good reason. That's why we're seeing Ole Gunnar and Jurgen Klopp like kind of saying these kind of things because like they experienced it so far. And yeah. I don't think Mourinho would talk about it until he starts losing. <laughs> so he's, just, he's gonna be like, ah, it's, I have nothing to say. I have nothing to say. And then once he starts losing, it's gonna be like it's the scheduling. <laughs> it's not me. And also, it's it's uh, it's Deli Alley. <laughs> so there's gonna be certain things like that. So I think. In my perspective too, and also Yush now, he's also a working man. It's it's not easy going from all this like when work is your life. And I feel like for players, they can't just quit. Yeah. <laughs> like if, if the going is rough, they're in a contract and also this is like their livelihood. They only mm-hmm. have a certain amount of years they can be a professional like this. So it's not like they can just go to another team that I guess they potentially could. It's, I don't yeah, want to get transferred to soap. <laughs> to transfer to something that ha- doesn't have as strenuous of a schedule where it's like European but I mean the players they they're in these teams they want this at the same time you know what mm-hmm. I mean like they 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 want to have Champions League they want to have all these come competitions but at the same time it would help if the scheduling was a little better for them because yeah. at this point it's like whatever it's just they're 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 athletes they can handle it but I think Whatever needs to happen to kind of instigate it, I can't really think of it unless they see a big player go down. You know what I mean? Or like maybe they're not yeah. getting the sales they want or like maybe the performances they well, want. The, the thing it all goes back to is that um, the people, I think it's um, Sky and BT are the two biggest broadcasters in the UK and they have the first picks of what games they want to broadcast on their channels. And I think the... 7.30 game, excuse me, because like I don't, we obviously don't live in the UK, so I can't mm-hmm. speak specifically, but I believe when they were talking about in the broadcast that Sky gets the first pick and that was the 7.30 game, then BT gets the the primetime game, which was the City-Liverpool. So I think Sky, I think, I believe BT got first pick and BT wanted the Liverpool-City game, and which was played on a Sunday. So that means Sky got the early kickoff of Everton and Manchester United. So... You know, all of this that pays, you know, the players' contracts, the clubs, 
you know, pays everyone's salaries is the TV revenue. And unfortunately, it's the TV revenue that kind of determines when you play, when and when and where you play. So um, it, it's going to be hard because you can't when that much money is on the line, it would be hard for the Premier League to obviously they want to side with their players, but their basically livelihood as a league relies on the broadcast and TV revenue. So um, there's a lot of factors at play, but I think obviously when it comes to just looking at the game as it is, I think these managers are just saying that, hey, we physically can't keep competing 90 minutes straight up the way we want to play. Otherwise, all of our players are going to be gone, get getting hurt. But there's obviously a lot of a lot of uh, intricacies and stuff that go into it when it comes to determining schedules and such. Hmm. So maybe teams can force it by doing load management. <laughs> it's like why Leonard. Yeah, Kawhi Leonard. It's like, wait, why isn't why isn't Bruno Fernandez playing this game? He's like, is he out? He's like, no, load management, and that might force the oh TV schedule gosh. to. Uh, <laughs> Could you imagine Twitter? Just, soccer Twitter would go insane. They'd be like, like oh my gosh, if there was load management in soccer, I that I I would I that that would be insane. I, I would mean, just say at, since you work at a broadcasting network, it's like, can you actually move? a scheduled i don't know if you know this uh, uh, this might be someone else's department but like let's say you have a game scheduled for 7 30 could you move that and then switch out whatever is maybe at like 11 and just yeah. play that game then unfortunately like, no because a lot of for some of this stuff um a lot of the scheduling is done weeks ahead uh, of time and it's if something were to change you would have to change it so far in advance to help with the changes of everything else so that's why um, a lot of people are like, well, why isn't this game on TV? Well, it's like, we can't change it because the we've already the scheduling. Because Cupcake yeah. Wars is taking that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's just one of those things that like you can't... It's easy in theory just to say, oh, just change it. But mm-hmm. a lot of these companies, their scheduling has been put in place for months, even weeks in advance. So they can't just shift it, you know? So th- unfortunately, that's, you know, that's the way it goes. But I'm hoping that you know, we'll see less injuries. I'm just hoping that no more big players and just no players in general get hurt because it's, it's not fun. It's definitely mm-hmm. not fun as a, as your supporting team to see teams get hurt, but to leave this podcast off on a good note, um, Tyler, I know you have some exciting news yes. coming from Arsenal. The For Gunners. all our, our Arsenal fans talking to you, Cho and all the, the big ones out there, but Gunnar Soros is back. He posted he something on Twitter saying, <laughs> He's back. He had like a whole picture of him at the Emirates. I like this, right? Yeah, he's like he had his arms up for everyone on the video portion of the podcast. So it, you know, it can make sense, but it's just like that the office episode where they're just like Dwight and Michael are just raising the roof. But <laughs> I think this is like a big move because it's kind of bringing back to kind of more sane reasoning for Arsenal. It's like, all right, like it you gotta at least pay your people. You gotta pay the people that are boosting the morale, boosting you know, I think Mesut Ozil's paying kind of Yeah, Mesut Ozil right? is paying. <laughs> he doesn't even play for Arsenal. Maybe he's not play. Arsenal. <laughs> still, maybe they're still kind of screwy. But maybe, maybe Mesut Ozil is gonna source. So that's why he can get on the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> Only way he can get on the pitch. That is the biggest. What's what's the word for it? Mystery. Mystery or conspiracy. That's the word. Oh, okay, that's the word. Yes, it's like it's is gonna source Mesut Ozil. <laughs> <laughs> that's just I don't I don't know I mean he just I, went down a whole big rabbit hole how tall is Gunnar Sorsen <laughs> is he six feet 
I mean, that could be a factor. I mean, Cho, one of our listeners, has taken a picture of Gunnosaurus, so he would know. Like, did yeah. did Gunnosaurus speak German to him? I don't know. <laughs> it's like, but we'll see. And did he get assisted with any? I don't know. Well, I mean, that's maybe Gunnosaurus. If you're out there, you can hit us up on Twitter, and then uh, we can figure out. Or maybe he'll keep us a mystery. Who knows? But <laughs> we'll see. And I feel like these little moves, in my opinion, are big for a team because this is like a random tangent but for everyone at work hopefully everything's good but it is a little rough having working from home and not being able to see people because just these little things can maybe boost morale clearly it didn't help against aston villa this past weekend since arsenal lost 3-0 to aston villa but maybe (laughs) in the future it'll compound and then they can bounce Mm -hmm. back from it because having a morale booster is very underrated i would say like just the happiness and the enjoyment of the players which is why i was saying like that new training facility for liverpool yeah although we don't really get to see it on our end from just tv in general they get to experience it and do it kind of day in and day out during the weekdays so i think it's a big morale booster for them and you know these little things can play a part into like bringing out the most out of a player just seeing Gunner Soros can just be enough for it's like I can't lose this game. Gunner Soros, I can't let him down. Yeah, exactly. Like, so like little, little things like that really do play a big factor. And even at work too. It's like just little random things it's like, oh, here's a free gift card. So uh for everyone at work. <laughs> here's a free nice. gift card for just being here. It's like, all right, cool. And it's like just those little things really do play a big part. So Yeah, I agree. It was um when I was going through Twitter, it was nice to see Gunnosaurus smiling. Yes. Being very happy. It brought a smile to my face. When I was just looking on Twitter during work, I was just like, oh, that's enough for keep me through the rest of the day now. Just that's just happy. (laughs) (laughs) Gunnosaur is bringing uh, everyone in the world together for 2020. Mm -hmm. That's what that's all. That's the energy we need right there. But um, really with that, that kind of wraps up um, episode 96 for us. Um, Please, when if you listen to this app, um, podcast on Apple Podcasts, please make sure to give us a rating, um, a rating or review. It definitely helps us out in terms of getting our podcast out to other people. But obviously, a listen is uh, more than enough from you guys. But um, on YouTube, uh, please subscribe to us at the Premiere Pod. We're doing more videos, so right here, like this. Um, definitely, if you want to check out our other episodes, that are on there as well. And please make sure to give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at the premiere pod um we'll definitely active on there dm us with anything you got and we'll definitely we'll definitely be on the roll with that but yeah that kind of uh wraps up episode 96 for us thank you guys so much for listening please make sure to rate comment subscribe and yeah peace peace